electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. I'm Scott Wapner in for Melissa Lee tonight, and this is Fast Money. Tonight's trader lineup, Guy Adami, Steve Grasso, James McDonald, and Barbara Ann Bernard, the CEO of Wincrest Capital. Tonight on Fast, the return of mega cap tech. Apple seeing its best week since January. Uh, as names like Facebook, Alphabet, and Microsoft hit new highs one after another. So is the big tech trade a buy now? We'll get some answers there. Plus, grounded again, Boeing taking some of its max 737 jets out of commission on the heels of another production problem. We'll talk about what it means for the embattled plane maker. And we've got a bonus hour of fast coming up at 6 p.m. tonight where we're going to count down to the biggest stories of the week, how to trade them. We're also taking your questions, so tweet them to us at CNBC Fast Money. Let's start out with the late day rally on Wall Street. Major markets surging in the last hour of trading. The S&P notching another record close. It's fourth of the week. That's the kind of week it's been. Uh, leading the way, consumer names like PVH and Coach, uh, Tapestry, The Gap, the rally coming even in spite of higher than expected inflation data this morning. And as we get ready for the start of Q1 earnings season, J.P. Morgan, Goldman Sachs and Wells Fargo all set to report on Wednesday. So what do we make of this Late day action. Guy, I'll, I'll send it to you. Uh, the market could have had every reason to go down today, given the inflation number, and it just did not and, f- and finished about as strong as you could, you could ask for. No question about it, Scott, and it's great having you here. I, listen, when I saw those, when those numbers come out, I thought 10-year yields would trade north of 175 today. The S&P would be down 30, 40 handles easy. NASDAQ probably down, you know, one and a half, two percent. So once again, I would have been dead wrong. I mean, I, those numbers were hot. Market didn't care. Yields didn't move. And I think by noon or so today, the market sort of gleaned that and figured, you know what, if the bond market doesn't care, it's all systems go in terms of the broader market. doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but it doesn't have to. You trade the market you have, not the one that you want. Yeah, Barbara Ann, um, that's the story, right? I mean, the, the market had every reason to go down. It did not. What is that signal about what lies ahead, especially with the week ahead where earnings kick off? Well, I characterize this market as all greed and no fear. That inflation number mattered. And it mattered because inflation is the invisible tax. Nobody escapes it. And the idea here is to monetize inflation. And the smart money does. And they do so by going long commodities. And so if you look at the price of lumber, it's up 249% year on year. I mean, even something like cattle is up 45% year on year. Um, So I think, you know, if you've got to outrun inflation in order to grow your wealth in real terms, um, so I, I, I don't know why the market is not focused on this, but they should be. Um, and so as we look at earnings for next week, you know, I think banks are the big story. That's the ultimate short duration trade. I think they're going to have a blowout quarter. Um, if you just look at from the earnings perspective, you had 306 IPOs this year already. That's five times the number of IPOs you had in 2019. So that leads me to believe that trading revenues are also going to be higher than expected. And then you look at the balance sheet, and these banks have excess capital and excess reserves against an economy that seems to be getting better. So there's the potential 
for releasing reserves, increased buybacks, and then the third point would be valuation. They're trading on 13 times earnings as a sector. That's in line with what they've been trading since 1990. So they're not particularly expensive. So I think the banks could positively surprise. Yeah. Well, I mean, because surprise is going to be hard to say, Steve, given the run that we've seen in the banks year to date. Uh, we're talking about 25, 30, in some cases, even higher percentage point gains for the banks going into the number. So maybe the pressure is on for them to truly um, deliver. But look, the reason why the market was able to overlook the inflation number is because maybe this week it believes that the Fed's going to be able to control it. And it is transitory and temporary, as the Fed chair has said. And there's just so much liquidity in the system, so much expectation of high GDP and a big boom post-COVID that it's focused on that more than rates at this point. I think the Fed has done a wonderful job at saying that they're okay to actually let inflation run a little bit hotter they're using that gauge of 2% as a sort of, uh, you know, uh, it's the green. You're a gol- you play golf, Scott. They, they, they want to hit the green. They don't care about hitting the cup. They just want to get near the hole. So they're saying they'll let it run a little bit hotter so that the market should not be shocked when they get there. But you brought up an important point. All of these names, these consumer names that have been running, uh, a, a lot of those names, think about this. Stimulus is going to hit pocketbooks and wallets very quickly. Infrastructure is going to take months. So when you look at what people have to spend or what they will have to spend, they're going to put that back into the economy through retail stocks. So when you see the infrastructure trade sort of hiccuping a little bit and the value trade on that side of it, on the industrial side, taking a step back or a powder, if you will, it's because it's not going to filter through as quick as the stimulus check. But Barbara hit it, Guy hit it. Barbara mentioned next week, we're gonna hear from banks. So when people start to gauge where the market's going to run and where they should put some money, I think that's the late day rally. Guy touched on it, the 10 year didn't explode. So it made people feel a little bit uh, more calm as we headed into the end of the day. And then you had financials next week are going to be a powerhouse. So you wanna buy the market late in the day now, and get the head start for next week. That's what I think happened today. Yeah, I wonder, James, you know, what happens if rates start to stay here for, for the banks? We, we know the quarters was going to be good, right? From a trading standpoint, obviously higher rates are good for net interest margin. But what happens from here forward? I'm looking at the gains for the banks, as I said, year to date. Wells Fargo, they always kick it off, 34% year-to-date. Bank of America, 31 Goldman, J.P. Morgan City, you're talking 20% in some cases, maybe a touch lighter than that. But a lot of that run was built on reopen and higher rates. So what happens if rates actually stay here? Does that take the next move away from the banks? I think that we look at this picture, whether from a sector lens in the financial services index, uh, or healthcare, or transports, or utilities, or consumer staples. We go across the board, and we see year-to-date numbers that look like annualized numbers in a bull market. There's an incredible amount of buying energy in this market. There's an anticipation of the Fed continuing to allow the market to do as it wishes without traditional monetary policy, uh, and the banks are no exception. I think that we saw the Russell 2000, which has a high concentration in financial firms. We've been talking about the big banks a lot, uh, but regional banks matter a lot, too. They have their 
uh, a finger on the pulse of, of small businesses and, and the consumer. Uh, and we saw incredible gains year to date in the Russell uh, up to about three weeks ago. We saw the Russell come off. What I'm watching closely is the divergence uh, between the energy and that buying from not just the big mega cap banks, but uh, the smaller regional banks as well. We saw uh, an ebb and then a decline and then a correction in the Russell while the S&P and the Dow continued up. Uh, what I'm looking at is this divergence and this this break in the uh, continuity across the indexes. Uh, you know, the Nasdaq is almost approaching its 52-week high. The Dow is up there. The S&P is up there. We haven't seen a correction in the S&P 500. When I say we haven't seen a correction, I mean, we didn't see agreement. And so banks are one sector that matters. But I think the macro picture uh, is this bull market continues to power forward as we go into earnings next week. Any slight disappointment, any slight hiccup, any slight surprise, uh, I think, takes the news story. We have the yield story as being something that pr produced pressure on the markets. Now we have the inflation story uh, confounded by that, not seeing the market respond to that. I think, obviously, risk in this market is high, given the continued bull market and the continued break of all different types of records, four highs this week, we said earlier. It's really important to understand this earnings uh, is not just going to be a cue to what's coming forward, but also a, a potential pause in this rally. Yeah, I think you set it up well. And it's not just bank earnings we're talking about either. Consumer names, some airlines, Delta, Pepsi, Bed Bath & Beyond, United Health, all among the names on the calendar as Q1 earnings kick off. So as we head to the first leg of earnings season, thought it might be a good time to play a little. Trade it. You know what this is. It. Trade it or fade it. All right. So with earnings on deck, let's uh, let's hit our first name uh, if we could. Steve Grasso. <laughs> We'll do Bed Bath & Beyond yeah. first, okay? <laughs> Trade it or fade it? I, I'm going to fade this one. Now, now th this is one that we know had terrible earnings the last time around. The digital transformation is definitely a tailwind, Scott. But the headwinds are, are, are existing, and they will exist, continue to exist. They're closing stores. There's lack of foot traffic. And we still have to wade through a lot of muddy waters. Management has already told us the headwinds exist. Let's take their word from it. Let's fade the stock. There'll be a better time for entry in the future. Uh, but I, I'm not willing to be a buyer right now. Okay, James, what about you? I've got my 18-year-old uh, daughter with me, and so I have to take off my uh, technical analysis, my fundamental analysis, and be a dad. She cannot wait to go back to the malls with her friends as the economy opens. And she says all of her friends and everyone that wants these lotions, they've got to be in the store to try them. The online thing isn't working. The mall reopening. My daughter says we got to trade this one. <laughs> all right, a fade and then a trade. All right, let's move on to Delta. The results coming on Thursday. Guy, what are your expectations here for Delta? Trade it or fade it? I just love that you're playing trade it or fade it on a Friday. You don't know how much joy you know that what? provides what, me, Scott. What, I, what, what would I rather be doing? What would I rather be doing on a Friday evening <laughs> than playing trade it or fade it with you? I could think of about a thousand <laughs> different things, but that's what you're doing right now. I say trade it. And listen, Morgan Stanley's been a great job in the space. They just initiated the or they made some comments about the airlines earlier this week. They raised their price target in Delta, I believe, from 54 to 72 uh, listen, the stock has been slow and steady to the upside. Probably the best name in the space. I think you own it into earnings, and there is a valuation call on Morgan Stanley's part as well. So trade Delta Airlines. Okay. Barbara Ann, do you agree? 
So I love the macro story, but I hate the micro. Um, this is a company whose EBIT doesn't even cover its interest expense. It's a zombie. Zombies give me nightmares. No thanks. <laughs> okay. Next up is United <laughs> Health, also coming out Thursday. James, trade it or fade it? I've got to fade this one. I've uh, been talking to a lot of artificial intelligence people, a lot of people that are looking at disruptive technologies, and there's a disruptor. <laughs> Um, momentum coming to the insurance space. And I think that United Health, it's, you know, the PE is not bad, business not bad. I think this is one of those uh, big industries that's yet to be disrupted. Uh, long term, I think there's going to be weakness here in the short term. I also think that there's so much strength in the market, it's got to come off. And so I want to fade this one. Okay. Guy, no, only up 7% or so year to date. Trade it, fade it. Yeah, probably the prudent thing to do. I hear what James is saying, but what he's talking about is not going to happen for quite some time. The stock is right around all-time highs. It's finally gotten a valuation it deserves, and I think the earnings are going to be fine. So I continue to stay long UNH and earnings next week. And finally, Pepsi reports Thursday. Barbara Ann, you're first. Trade it or fade it? I trade it. I think it's a high-quality compounder, mid-single digit on the sales line. You got margin expansion um, as you as you go to away from home. I like it. Okay. Finally, Steve Grasso. I'm going to say fade this one. Now I expect them to beat. I, I think Barbara's going to be right. It's going to be a good print. Uh, there's a lot of Frito Lay that's being uh, consumed. Uh, during COVID and in people's pantries, and they're going to continue to buy that. So I expect them to beat. The chart looks a little choppy to me. I think that Coke being pulled in to the political landscape, this country is is still split basically 50-50. I think that Pepsi might get pulled in too. You might see some boycotts, but I think that Pepsi was a great quarantine stock. I think that it's time to fade the name now. Okay, good stuff. All right, coming up, a big tech stock outshining its competitors will reveal the chart of the week. But first, a new setback for Boeing 737 MAX, why some airlines have been asked to temporarily ground the troubled model. Again, more fast money is just ahead. You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. All right, welcome back to Fast Money. Boeing shares losing some altitude. Let's get right to Phil LeBeau with the details. And Phil, here we are once again, 737 MAX in focus. Yeah, and it's a temporary grounding of the 737 MAX, Scott, but this is certainly nothing to do with the MCAS flight control software, which was at the heart of the issue over the last couple of years. And this is a relatively minor issue that should be a relatively quick fix. So here's the story. Boeing telling 16 of its airline customers, look, we want you to temporarily ground the 737 MAXs that you have. Not all of them, just some of them. We're talking about 80 MAXs. These are all MAXs that were delivered after the FAA ungrounded the airplane in November. So these 80 planes with these 16 airlines, there's a production change that caused a possible electrical issue. The fix time could be a couple of hours. At most, it could be a couple of days. But no doubt, this is a black eye, and certainly on a public relations level, for Boeing and for the 737 MAX. Southwest has 30 of these MAX planes that it has pulled from its schedule. It's able to make up any impact on the 
overall flight schedule with spare aircraft and adjusting some of the passenger schedules. American Airlines, it's looking at 17 of these MAX airplanes that are in its fleet right now, and United has 16 of them. The impact in terms of the uh, shares of these airlines, very modest today. Scott, this is a short-term issue. By the middle of next week, people will not be talking about this. Again, it only takes a couple of hours at most, maybe a couple of days to identify and then correct the issue if they find it in uh, any of these planes. And again, it's a potential issue with uh, the electricals uh, within the uh, flight cabin. Yeah. Well, as you said, it's a public relations issue as much as anything else. Uh, And not to minimize it, I mean, that may be the most important thing for Boeing uh, at this point. The stock itself has been a monster. Before I let you go, Phil, I understand there are some more General Motors production cuts we're hearing about now. Right. The company just announcing that it's going to be trimming its weekend overtime shifts in Fort Wayne and in Flint. Those are two plants that build pickup trucks. Uh, and the truck market is red hot right now. But look, if you don't have the semiconductors to meet that demand uh, in terms of production schedules, you got you to trim. And this is what we're seeing from all the automakers. Not a major cut, Scott. They are also going to be bringing back production during the traditional summer downtime at the end of June, early July. So what they're trying to do is adjust what they can't build right now, make up in the second half of the year. Understood. Phil, thanks. Have a good weekend to you. That's our Phil LeBeau reporting the latest for us there. Steve, uh, you know, let's go back to Boeing for a moment. Uh, The stock's been a monster. Does this have any impact on where it goes from here? If you close, if if we all sat in a room and we told, uh, you know, we heard all the negative news about Boeing, we would say that the stock would be drastically, dramatically lower than where it is now. It's been building a base uh, when you look back to June, that sell-off in June. From that June low all the way through November, the beginning of November, then it just rocketed out of that. So I I truly believe that the market just kind of brushes aside all these worries. They've taken the brunt, all the bad headlines that were much worse, as Phil just said, than this latest headline. It's affecting 67 planes, 16 different airlines, and yet everyone is saying Boeing is going to be okay. It's up 18% year to date, probably shakes this off, as, as Phil said. There's too much demand, and they really have uh, a duopoly on the marketplace, Scott. And, and Guy, I mean, it's, it's smack in the center of the reopen trade, and, and that's what this is, is really no all about. Yeah, a year ago, see, I take this as a positive. A year ago, you probably don't hear it from Boeing. You hear it second, third hand, and the stock is down 8 to 10% over the course of a week. They're in front of this. To me, it's a good thing. It's sort of this new Boeing mantra, it appears, as though they're trying to get in front of things. By the way, they just had a huge order out of Alaska Air, Southwest Air. They did a $1.6 billion deal with the Navy. They reported April 28th. I mean, to me, this is actually a positive. Stock didn't really react to it. I think it goes up in earnings at the end of the month. All right, we'll take a quick break. Don't forget, we're less than 10 minutes away as well from options action. Assign someone in the options market thinks the rally is getting rickety. We're going to tell you about that coming up. But first, we reveal our chart of the week. One big tech name, it's outshining its peers. Oh, is it about to get going again? Stick with us. We'll talk about it next. Welcome back to Fast Money. Check out our chart of the week. Apple seeing its best weekly performance 
since January. Our question now, can Apple keep its appeal heading into earnings season? James, what do you think on this one? Uh, This is another one of those monster companies. Sorry I didn't get to comment on Boeing. This is like Boeing and McDonald's, and these companies are going to continue to dominate their industries, and so they're going to figure problems out. And where Apple's weakness has been uh, is now a strength, and I think that Apple continues to power higher. I do think Apple being the largest holding in virtually every mutual fund uh, with a stock portfolio of virtually every 401k, virtually every uh, money manager has to own this name. I think Apple will get pressure with the overall market. We're going to talk about the VIX. We're going to talk about pressure potentially coming in the market. Uh, But Apple's going to continue to rip higher as it dominates its space. Um, And it has its finger on the pulse of most consumers. Privacy issues concern. Apple understands what people want, and they're going to continue to provide it. Guy, are we starting something here again with Apple? Are we going to get towards 150 before before we know it? I think so. Uh, you know, not that it makes a lot of sense because you don't really have the earnings growth to support it. And in terms of valuation, I know you talk about it a lot. I mean, you're talking about Apple now. It's probably trading close to 27 times next year's numbers. But to James's point, the passive money that's coming in absolutely is a huge tailwind for Apple. So to answer your question, yeah, I think we continue to grind higher in the earnings release on the 28th, if memory serves. Yeah, I mean, it's been a big week. You know, uh, Grasso, Facebook, Alphabet, Microsoft, all hitting new highs. We haven't talked about Apple doing that in a while. Yeah, and, and you know, Apple is... Uh to James's point, Apple is the value play within growth, along with those other handful of names. So you saw them uh, switch out of a lot of these high multiple stocks. But remember, seasonality for Apple, May through August are the best months for Apple. That's the way you should be buying it. Services is 53 and change billion. That's probably, I think, Wed Bush put out a note saying that they think that's going to 100 billion in services. 5G, a huge tailwind for Apple, refresh cycle. There's a lot of things going well. I'm long it. I'm staying long it. I think this thing pops at least to 150. I'm looking for 180. Oh, wow. Okay. That's, that's bullish. Let's do a Friday final trade now. Let's go around the horn. Barbara Ann, you start us off, please. Oh, I like Dufree. It's the world's largest airport retailer, 20% market share. I have it on 10 times my 2023 EPS. Um, and I think it can go back to 20 times, so a double in two years' time. All right, good stuff. Thanks. James? UGA. Everyone's going back to life as normal. People are getting vaccinated. People are going back to work. Traffic is back. Gasoline's going right. to keep running. Quickly, Steve, and then Guy. I'm going to stay really consistent. Apple, final trade. All right, Guy? Zombie or not, Delta Airlines into earnings. <laughs> All right, that does it for Fast Money this hour. A special bonus edition of the uh, Fast Five is coming your way at the top of the hour. Options action, of course, is next. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.